Hi, and welcome to What a Mess, the only podcast that speaks about fashion industry issues. Today's guest is Eva Delat, Creative Director of Materials Experience Center in Shanghai, powered by Santoni. Today, we're going to talk about all things materials and sustainability. <coughs> Eva, for those who don't know you, can you tell us a little bit more about what you do? Uh, yeah, so thanks uh, for the question, uh, Dobby. My name is uh, Eva and I'm heading up Materials Experience Center and um, I'm co-founder of Studio Eva Times Corolla. Um, yeah, a bit about myself. I uh, started my career actually in Hong Kong um, and then soon after moved back again to Europe where I worked for Nike for a long time. Um, this is really where I started to see that materials and textiles could be something so different something so much more than aesthetic, something really that, you know, functionally and sustainably um, gives something to the wearer and user. And after Nike, I moved back to Shanghai and worked for a while in fast fashion, which opened my eyes. Um, I learned a lot, but also realized that that's not where I want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to make materials that that really um, showcase for the goods, the environment, um, the planet, obviously, but also the people that, that, that wear and use it. And um, within uh, my studio, which has started um, about seven, eight years ago, I initially started to work closely together with Santoni Shanghai and partnered on all projects, um, together with my partner in the studio, Corolla. And about two, three years ago, it, it grew to something more. So we opened the Materials Experience Center. And I would love to tell you a bit more about that and the process um, and what we do and, and, and what we try to envision and uh, see as a future of uh, textile and fashion. Yes, totally. Before we do that, before you tell me everything about Materials uh, Experience Center and Santoni and the collaboration that you guys created, you know, I really wonder because you come from the Netherlands, how did you end up in Hong Kong, starting off your career as a woman. I think that's very interesting. Yeah, um, great question. So I, I, I felt like, okay, I, I'm really passionate about design and, and tactility and textiles, but I also felt if you really want to change something and if you want to design and make something, you actually need to know how it's made. Um, I think it's a misperception, but there is what a, what is a better place to learn this is than China, um, mm-hmm. you know, manufacturer of the world, but not as a manufacturer of being cheap products, but actually as a manufacturer of very innovative products. And this really attracted me to go to China and to really say, okay, if how can I create something or how can I talk about change if I just don't know how, how it's done and, and how it's produced and who's producing it and where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. Um, and this really triggered for me that the whole idea of, of moving to Asia and initially um, Hong Kong much more from a trading perspective and later China much more from the really manufacturing perspective. And now I, with that experience, um, I can really bridge that level. I can really bridge between the trends and the consumers and, and what mm-hmm. they're looking for, but also 
how you then actually sustainably can make it, um, what difference you can make and how you can build products that are innovative, uh, inspiring, mm -hmm. functional, and obviously considered. Awesome. So Eva, can you tell us how did the Eva and Corolla project come together and then the collaboration with Santoni? Yeah. Yeah, so Corolla um, and I studied together. So um, we did our university here together in Amsterdam in engineering, and design and fashion. Um, we went together to New York to do our internship. So we're really tracking back for a long time. And we feel that when we make something, it's about collaboration. Um, that's something as well that we envisioned within our studio. So it was almost like, um, a natural way of, of progressing, of starting to work together. Um, like two people having the opportunity to create something much better and to, to you know, em embrace and challenge and promote and connect with each other in order to actually help each other's strengths um, into making something, um, you know, that really suits and that's really, um, you know, tailored towards the end user, the consumer in this sense. Mm -hmm. So Corolla being super strong in design, um, you know, concept, me from my side also working on that aspect of concept and then the making, I think that was a perfect combination. Um, so initially it started on one project, we loved it so much and, you know, seven, eight years further, we, you know, we loved working together. We loved the fact that we both female, um, we love the fact that we work with a lot of female people in our team as well, which is really, you know, embracing something that we really believe in and mm -hmm. product tailored to, towards that consumer group. Um, yeah, so that's a bit about the studio. Mm -hmm. And um, as I mentioned before already, um, my background, um, I worked for Nike, uh, Corolla did actually too. Um, and we always were very intrigued by functional wear and uh, performance wear. And one of the biggest projects that we did both in uh, Nike was always around engineering, engineered knits, um, you know, really some Tony's technology. So when we got the opportunity, um, you know, for the first time to go and work again and partner with Santoni, that was like, you know, a no brainer in that sense. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, we did always uh, project for projects. We partnered together and they have, had an amazing R&D center set up around that time, seven, eight years ago. And it was like, you know, I still feel like it, like a child in a candy store that can just basically play around and check all the technologies. I mean, how amazing that is. And about two, three years ago, we said, okay, why don't we formalize it even further? And, and we start something really that can change the industry. And that became the materials experience center. Um, mm -hmm. And we have so much, much uh, ideas to make that, you know, push in and move that forward. So uh, we're really excited about it. Totally. It sounds exciting. And for those who don't know, what is material experience center? Yeah, so um, to describe it, maybe I tell a bit about Santoni. So Santoni is a sure. machine manufacturer um, that makes seamless and circular um, knitting machines. And it's an amazing technology. And, you know, describing it to, you know, from people outside the industry as well, it's like, um, you know, it's like a 3D printer for textiles in a way. So it knits in a, in a circular and in a circle, in a tube, and it's like, knitting layer for layer like you're printing something a garment 
or chair or um, you know anything that you kind of can imagine the textile layer out of it um, and it's beautiful obviously amazing technology amazing software but if you can't showcase what comes out of it what are the possibilities with it it's really hard to imagine for people in the industry people outside the industry but also what you know for the consumers eventually because um, that's why we make products and that's why we really try to push ourselves and innovate. Um, so from this aspect to, to showcase the possibilities of the machinery and the technology, it's where we started Materials Experience Center. Um, really a place to inspire, to inform, to research, to collaborate, um, to share knowledge. Um, and that's, that's definitely also across the supply chain. Um, as mentioned before, one of the reasons why I love working together with Corolla is, is because yeah, the, the partnering and the collaboration and the same is actually also um, with the Materials Experience Center. Um, we can only uh, build next and future product products if we uh, link with every segment in the supply chain. So the yarn supplier, the machine maker, the manufacturer, the designer, uh, so on, so on, the sewer. Um, and then I think you can really create something new, something that makes sense, something that that is what is the consumer looking for. Yeah, absolutely. So Santoni is one of the first and the most innovative companies to bring circular knitting alive, especially in China. Can you tell us, because you started to explain the technology behind it, I'm really curious, how does the circular knitting te technology actually work? Yeah, I love telling about that, so interrupt me. Yes, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, so the machine is basically set up in a, in a circle. Um, I'm going to try to explain it as simplistic as possible that knits in a, in a tube. And what's really interesting about this technology of circular knitting is that, especially Santoni technology, is that you are able to go very fine gauge. You're able to go very like delicate, intrigued, um, but you're also able to really zone in different performances and different needs. So let's say like, um, I'm going to make a tight for running. I love running and, and mm -hmm. you know, I need for it. I need certain support with my upper leg. I want to make it stay and fit. Um, I, don't, I don't want to have it shine through. I want to have it breathable. Um, and on a lot of technologies, it's really hard to get that. So you're going to have all different kinds of fabrics and then you engineer everything by sewing together mm -hmm. in order to have the performances and the benefits. But when in circular knitting and seamless, um, you again actually engineer this out of one tube. That's why I made a reference of 3D printing. So you mm -hmm. kind of build up stitch by stitch, level by level, exactly towards the needs and function of, of you, me as a runner, um, somebody else as a yoga performer, mm -hmm. and so on. And I think that makes it super intriguing, super cool, um, and super, um, maybe I'm a, big, a geek in that, but you know, super exciting to build products that's different, um, that's really tailored towards each of the needs of the end consumer who's going to wear it. Um, so yeah, once we have the tube, we basically do minimum amount of seams in order to make, to a, uh, make it into a garment. So in certain cases, like a tight, for example, we can almost make it without any wastage as well. Um, so that also makes a lot of sense to use yeah. this technology 
because we really avoid um, the wastage during the manufacturing. Amazing. Yeah, that's, that sounds great. It's a great, you know, vision for other companies to kind of copycat you so we can bring the circular economy and circular fashion on the surface. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your creative process. You know, you're a visionary and you started this creative studio with Corolla. Um, and you also have a very long experience of over 20 years, right? In the industry of textiles and working with brands, concepts, design, etc. So what goes around in your head when you're creating new solutions for textiles? Uh. Um, yeah, so for me, I think at the moment, we, you know, we all know that the fashion industry being the second polluting industry, um, we also know how much waste there is created. Um, I think as a designer, you have a very key and important um, role to play there. Um, if by, you know, misinformation or misunderstanding or directly following trends, I think it's up to 80% of the issues that, you know, can really be created in the design phase. So yeah, mm -hmm. that makes like a super cool opportunity as a designer to do something about that. Mm -hmm. How I do that is that um, working really from the yarn and machine upwards. And what we mean there is that we find that too many products on the moment are based on, on you know, trends, a sketch of, you know, mm -hmm. then people find the fabric and find the yarn and they kind of you know stick it against it but it's really that you work from a take and make way of mm -hmm. um, making rather than from something that's you know built because it's actually valuing the end consumer needs so what i mean from that for example um what is your favorite sports or you know activity to do with dummy do you have any any Oh, um, me, uh, I would say I like boxing and I like yoga. So two completely <laughs> different things. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I love both as well. Um, I love boxing as well. Uh, so that, that makes sense. So basically for boxing, you have a certain amount of needs. Um, you know, you want certain movement, you want freedom. You don't want when you, you know, that anything mm -hmm. is second skin. Yeah. Uh, you also of it too tight and compressed in certain areas because of that restriction um for sure me when i do so for sure you must have the same you know you want something that's that's breathable that's yeah. not you know, uh, or moving around too much so this is all the needs that you have as a consumer and based on this need it becomes your favorite garment or not mm -hmm. if it's applies to you know the garment you know is fitting for that you will wear it any boxing session and that's also what we do. So we try to understand what are the needs for this consumer wearing that garment. Mm -hmm. And then we start from there, actually from the yarn machine upwards, meaning that we don't let eventually the design become leading. We actually mm -hmm. listen to what the machine and the yarn are operating. Of course, we make a design. I mean, everybody wants to look beautiful whenever yeah. we go to the gym and outside. And of course, we need something to communicate with because our engineering team also needs something in hand. But mm -hmm. it's about change throughout the process, about learning what this yarn and machine does. It's about feedback than what we get from you know, wearing it during mm -hmm. trial session and so on, so on. And that's building a product that is 
value adding. That's building a project that, that's really for future and for longevity. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of something that looks good, but is not performing to the needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's also often, I think that people ask a question like, but, but how does that then work? Do you always use recycled yarn or do you always use sustainable materials? And yes, obviously we do for sure. But mm-hmm. if this process, there's other yarns that are giving more value and mm-hmm. therefore you wear the garment for much longer, we always will choose for that. Because if the recycled yarn is actually giving product that perform less for you, it's also not, not helpful because it will be a waste. The garments will be wasted. The garment will be thrown away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's always that combination that we say, okay, what is the consumer really looking for? What, what you are wearing when you go to the, the you know, yoga or boxing? Um, and how do we really build them from, from the DNA almost, from step by step up in order to fulfill that? Yeah. That was a long uh, reply, but I hope it, it gave kind of a, an answer to, uh, to the yeah, question sure. you have. Yeah, totally. And you mentioned that uh, manufacturers actually work with, you know, the sketch of the garment. Why do you think it creates so much confusion? And, um, you know, people like you and uh, the companies, you know, working on those materials and textiles and the product development, why do you think it's important to actually uh, look at the consumer's needs and actually at the textiles instead of looking at the trend because that's uh, quite a innovative approach that I haven't seen. Yeah, I believe that a trend can always be built on. Mm-hmm. I mean, as mentioned, for sure. I mean, we all want to look beautiful. We all want to feel like following the latest trends or we all have a sensitivity with one color over the other color mm-hmm. um, and that will not go away I think it's it's a, a human need as well it's a need and requirements of a garment but to add that on is the easier part um, there's always a way how to make it look beautiful and um, mm-hmm. to actually make something considered and functional and smart yeah. that's mm-hmm. a different story. and that's why we say okay if if that's the hardest part let's build that in first and then mm-hmm. we can always make sure that aesthetic is there yeah and we can always mention that it looks you know sophisticated and challenge whatever this consumer is looking for um but going from the reverse side from the trends mm-hmm. onwards from the color we never able to build in the functions the sustainability mm-hmm. yeah that, that looking yeah. For. Um, so yeah. that's why it's so for us um, to work in that way that reversed way of of working Mm, that's very interesting and I think it's a big problem in the industry especially with fashion designers starting with the trend you know and um, they they always build kind of their expectations based on how they want uh, the result how they want to you know achieve this creative vision of the product Um, They focus on that too much instead of actually focusing on whether that's going to be practical, whether that's going to be sustainable and how can we do that, you know, in the process. So thanks for explaining. It sounds very good. And speaking about trends, you know, uh, obviously fashion creates a lot of mess, you know, literal like mess with waste. And it's a really big problem in the industry right now. So what do you think is the next trend solution when it comes to manufacturing and producing 
in order to create less waste. Yeah. So obviously, I hope the way how we work is going to be, um, you know, much more mm -hmm. of a trend in, in a way. Hopefully, um, yes. Yeah, hopefully, exactly. I think uh, if we advocate it enough, and I think if people start to see the benefits, um, definitely that that could help. Um, but we also see it as a trend that, um, you know, it, current products are too much blended. Um, I think what, what happens, what I mean with blended is that we want to make something compressed. So we, we start to add elastan. Um, mm -hmm. We want to make something look, you know, shine. So we start to add uh, polyester. But in next week, we want to have something matte. So we start to mm -hmm. use another yarn. Mm -hmm. I think all these combinations making it very hard to start, for example, recycling mm -hmm. and to start generating. So I'm also hoping, and I definitely see this around, that products are, beca are becoming much more of a mono mono kind of product made out of one material. Um, so at least you can start to either recycle or um, work much more circular. Yeah, circular, sorry. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's also something that we see a lot. And we have a lot of requests in, in, in there, like how can we make it only out of wool merino? How can we make it only out of polyester? Um, mm -hmm. So I think that's an interesting direction and trend. And it also mm -hmm. provides for, for designers to rethink and relook and um, also become more educated again. Um, mm -hmm. You know, how are things made? How is that you know, derived? How, uh, what is biodegradable um, means? And I think there's a lot of misconception in, in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. There's a amazing designers out of it and amazing creators and making it makers out of that and I think I'm passionate to see that more and more start to challenge that aspect and more and more start to say okay hey I don't know everything but how can mm -hmm. we really part collaborate together to start understanding that that field I'm missing mm -hmm. um work differently I think you mentioned in the beginning or um about you know circular approach mm -hmm. um it means yeah, starting fresh, starting to educate yourself, starting to relook at processes and systems and tools and, you know, what is needed. And I think all these kind of, you know, directions and trends are just super cool and, and you know, give so much excitement to what is next again, um, yeah. rather than make just the polyester garment. So uh, I think there's a lot, uh, lot happening um, out there. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that, that's why we're here today. You know to talk yeah. about those things to possibly educate people on you know how they can actually understand a little bit more what is circular economy what is sustainability you know and um, how you're actually making it happen in china so you know just a lot of amazing work to describe and you know to ask and answer so thanks for being here today again um yeah so actually we spoke a little bit about china just in the beginning you know you've been there for a long time and you've been working um in china for i don't know how many years how, how long has it been many years <laughs> oh wow that's a long time over, um almost over 10 years um mm -hmm. more than 12 yeah something like that on the moment amazing the amazing yeah no. Yeah, I wanted to ask you because you obviously do have, you know, the knowledge and experience now about the fashion industry in China. 
So how do you think the landscape of fashion is currently changing in China? And is it slowly leaning towards circular fashion? Are people becoming more aware and, you know, more conscious about that? Yeah, good question. Um, I think it's not even slowly changing it. I think it's changing in such a speed that we can't mm-hmm. imagine. I think oh, that's wow. the beauty of China. Um, this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much creativity there and there's so mm-hmm. much um, young designers that that want to make that change that see the possibility mm-hmm. um, and how I see this is that um, yeah it's almost like um, I can't say 100% but I think every designer now in China is working on this topic and moving to that different scaling, different meanings, um, different processes and different ways. And as you know really well yourself, that's obviously everywhere around the world. Also a lot of things that are more greenwashing than, than yeah. actually talk about real sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I love is that they, you know, they, they're going back to what the heritage means and what products can I use to, with that. Um, what it means for them as being in China as a manufacturer of the world and how, how you can actually put this in focus smartly. Um, I think what's also interesting in China is that there is a huge push also from the, from the you know, economy, the environment, um, on, on creating other products that are more sustainable. It's very focused on you know, um, eliminating um, dying factories that are not sustainable. So this is also something that actually comes with the way of working. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the consumer is very aware of that. Mm-hmm. Um, almost, um, for example, uh, like electric cars or electric scooters, that's so normal there. Mm-hmm. And when I'm here, Netherlands I mean I'm like once every I don't know day I see one and it's like Mm -hmm. so there is so many push there as well at the same time I think like everybody whether it's China or not China it's also again by experimenting and learning I mean I didn't see much products out in the fashion industry that are truly sustainable and this is also even even our daily challenge I mean even Mm -hmm. though we all the time on it how much knowledge do we actually have hardly any mm-hmm. um so, you know, while we are pushing every day we're also still learning and we also yeah know that when we decide for something it will offset something else um mm-hmm. what i mean with that um you know it, it's sometimes maybe better to use polyester versus a natural yarn because of um water consumption um but the offset you don't know what happens when it's wasted so i think all this knowledge all this limited knowledge that mm-hmm. we have i think that doesn't really matter where you are but i think it's something everybody is going through mm-hmm. how do we truly educate ourselves how we, do we truly push ourselves um and this is also what i see in china that people are working very much on that um and very much try to understand and learn what sustainability means for them mm-hmm. uh, And I think in China, the beauty is that some of the, for example, food waste systems from from very old and traditional, there was already a very sustainable and recycled approach. Mm -hmm. And I think some of them are really finding their renewed view on it. Um, That takes time, I think, when going through that. So that's a similar thing uh, in China too. 
Mm -hmm. Interesting. You know, I was mainly asking because obviously China um, has a really huge purchasing power worldwide. And also most of our clothing is actually made in China, right? So my next question would be, do you think the bigger change in the fashion industry somehow starts from that region? Or do you think it kind of, you know, starts worldwide so it's not like just you know dedicated to specifically China yeah yeah very good um, questions uh, two answers I think or mm-hmm. two thoughts but it's not answers because I don't think nobody yeah. knows the answer we don't have the answers <laughs> no exactly no no hell no um, <laughs> and one thought I would say like I don't know how you look to it Tommy but Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, I think globally, because I think if we look to the numbers, I think 40% of our environmental impact comes from the consumer washing and wearing. So I think if we don't change that aspect of, you Mm -hmm. know, how we wash and wear, um, do we make our washing smarter? Do we, Mm -hmm. you know, we develop, you know, clothes that doesn't need to be washed or it can go to the earth and, and, you know, be renewed again? Um, I think that, first of all, is, is a big question, like, because that's a consumer to play. So if we don't change, in that sense, the consumer behavior, um, we, we still have a 40% issue. Mm-hmm. Um, that is obviously the manufacturing. And I have the feeling, indeed, if I speak now with the manufacturers in China, their interest in to innovate and to push forward is tremendously. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. beyond. I mean, this is one of the reasons, like, one of the misconceptions I always hear that people think I'm in China because of the cheap clothes. Um, I'm in China, obviously, because I love the country and I'm connected and I worked for a long time, but I'm also in China because they see innovation as I never see innovation anywhere else. Um, they are able to, uh, you know, they're really open-minded in, mm-hmm. in, in you know, trying with you and on an error and, and you know, mm-hmm say okay let's let's go for it let's try it together mm-hmm. and I think that mindset could indeed end up in the fact that that China mm-hmm. could be uh, sustainability um or Asia because it's still made there um yeah. if it's made there I think they have a huge influence on the moment in South Asia and Africa um so obviously yeah my wish and hope is that that from the manufacturing sites they're definitely going to play a, a big role in it mm-hmm. absolutely Amazing, and you know, that, uh, yeah, what it's you, good. What, what do you do, feel? What do I feel? You, or, yeah. yeah, I think that's a very interesting question to me. I mean, to myself, because I am obviously not based in China, so I do not have this, you know, wider understanding of what's going on in there. But um, obviously, you know, in the sustainable um, field, we talk a lot about garment workers and the exploitation that that is happening and also the waste and, you know, the non-sustainable ways that manufacturers kind of, you know, uh, produce and, and do and also the pressure on the manufacturers from the clients, from the companies, I think, you know, that's very often talked about. So I do think that, you know, my personal perspective on that is China plays a huge role in the change. 
um, just because it it does really have a huge purchasing power and also the you know there are so many manufacturers there's you know this whole uh, I I don't want to be negative but consumerism you know it, is is happening there a lot right so basically it's very fast-paced it's very much production and selling kind of focused so um, yeah, it does play a big role. However, you know, I spoke to some people having their own manufacturers in China and they, they do complain a lot. So I am very confused and I don't think I have the answers either. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was kind of my personal answer to that one. You know, it's, it's not an easy um thing to figure out you know obviously it's it's also like we have to think about the governments right and and the current political situation between the U.S. and China and the rest of the world and how that kind of goes into that so that's a very long conversation I think yeah exactly right (laughs) because you know it's it's not I think what people forget is fashion is not just the fashion industry it it is so interconnected with you know obviously uh the government but also for example with the oil industry which some people don't see the link with so there is a lot of um education to do and obviously like you said it's it's very hard to sometimes figure out what is actually sustainable you know because we do not know everything and um Yeah. yeah So, no, and that makes, I mean, it makes it super interesting, but also you have to be realistic. So yeah, uh, one of the things, for example, we are really struggling with is you know, we want to be informative to the people mm-hmm. that we work with. And we want to say, okay, this is, you know, this is so much sustainable or this is, um, you know, going in the right direction. But we're really struggling how to communicate this realistic. I mean, we can mm-hmm. make stuff up, but we want to give factual data and, mm-hmm. and we're really don't know how to handle that in in certain cases because there's so much unknown and we know one part but it's mm-hmm. part of a big and what you say you can even make it bigger by you yeah. know looking to the oil industry um looking i mean to all the yeah. consumers um, so it's a big story yeah yeah so- totally and i know there are some apps measuring some stuff like the carbon footprint water footprint and you know the uh impact on the industry but i don't think that's accurate either you know um and i know there are tons of certificates or you know things that you can put on your website but those aren't accurate either so uh yeah this industry is hard hard to really regulate i believe in you know yeah even if we're trying so hard to be sustainable we're like "Mm, you know we're not (laughs) yeah so that's why I think transparency and showcasing data is kind of the, you know, the big thing that we really can do. And, you know, we have mm-hmm. to um, inform, um, we have to educate, we have to push ourselves, um, collaborate. Yeah, totally. That's that's a way. But let me ask about something more fun, I guess. So as a creative director, how does your creative process look like? Oh, yeah, that's... Um... Oh, I love that question. Yeah, I'm. I in that sense, I'm just like hopefully any other creative, but I'm inspired by like literally everything that goes around 
around me but um from nature i'm always um you know creative also very much in the research parts um so i love to create by understanding by learning um by by experimenting and doing in that sense uh, so anything that always goes much more in like how the body works or how in nature things fold, um, mm -hmm. how a painter has been working around colors and tactility and experience. Uh, yeah, that fascinates me a lot. So um, I'm not a creator by really following very much the fashion trends or mm -hmm. that kind of purposes, but really by kind of research and, and deeping, deep, yeah, deeping, further um, by, by a lot of like I love to talk with like contacts or friends that are you know artists or designer mm -hmm. really understand their process and, and the way of thinking and um, mm -hmm. so that's also uh, something I find quite challenging on the moment with the COVID to not go to Gia or to not meet with a lot of people around yeah kind of conversations um i create a lot by also going to our archives of textiles and you know touching and feeling and envisioning making color palettes so also that aspect is it's much harder because i can travel a lot less to china um so i'm going next week so i'm really really glad about that to spend some oh, wow. time yeah in our space and to really uh, you know work work touching materials because i think that also says so much mm -hmm. uh, and so much um, ideas and um, yeah, creativity in the process. So it's always quite organized. I'm in in a creative approach. I like structure. Um, mm -hmm. I like a certain part of thinking way, and not because of, to make it richer. It's this part and thinking way changes a lot, um, but it gives me meaning and it gives me a kind of um, understanding why I'm doing something or how I can communicate a message. Mm -hmm. um, in a both emotional as well experience way, obviously as well a more rational uh, way of working. Yeah, so I think uh, no matter what you do, I think creativity always stays super important. Mm -hmm. uh, and as for us, it's you know creativity in, in in real function, in real sustainability as well. Creativity in aesthetic or trend uh, direction uh, is key for what we do. I wanted to ask you as well, um, based on what you just told me, how did COVID affect your work? Oh, wow. Uh, not too much, only positively, I have to say. Um, oh, wow. That's good. We want to hear yeah, that out. I mean, I'm not saying that I'm happy about the situation because it's been awful yeah. for everybody. But I love them. So always, I always have been traveling a lot, um, back and forth. Mm -hmm. uh, so first of all, I always wanted to change in a way because I find that is absolute by itself not sustainable, not for you as a yeah. person, as well, not for the environment. Um, but it's in nature, it's inspiring to travel. So you keep on doing that routine. So mm -hmm. to get out of that routine, I think that was quite interesting. And that was mm -hmm. quite, um, you know, I saw that's quite positive. As well to actually work, it pushed us, I think, to rethink how we work on distances how we work digitally and virtually mm -hmm. with team. And I'm every day so amazed how well that actually has been working between the team and, and, and me and the Crola and, um, you know, how well that has been uh, to, to, you know, create tactility almost virtually. And, mm -hmm. and I love that because from there, a lot of 
new ideas came up with. Um, we pushed ourselves much farther, faster to become digital. Um, we actually, um, you know, uh, I always talk a lot about that creativity. It's good to have a border in order to actually be fully creative. Um, but also it made our border different and this gave so much opportunity. So for example, end of this year, we're going to launch a very big material library mm -hmm. online. Um, we feel that it's nice and it's wonderful that we make all these beautiful textiles within uh, MAC and uh, Santoni and the studio, but it's even more interesting actually if we start sharing this. This is also a part, I think, from sustainability to start you know, giving our findings of what yarns we used and what they do for us and, you know, how sustainable or non-sustainable they are, uh, showcasing the textiles that we could make of it and how we did it and what we learned from it and how we can push it next or even, you know, showcasing issues that we found and be giving a kind of co-creation platform for people to help us solve these matters. Um, and this is something that we always had in mind and we have a version already live. Um, but I think COVID also pushed that kind of um, activities for, further. So the downside I felt is that I like to be tactile and I like to touch. Mm -hmm. And the current, I'm touching my computer way too much uh, because what happens is obviously a lot of Zoom and a lot of emailing. Uh, so that's what I find a bit of a pity from COVID. But um, all with all, um, yeah, it has brought a lot of uh, positive things. However, obviously I would have liked to avoid it for yeah everybody <laughs> what it did to all of us but um yeah totally yeah. not the best experience but no. i think no, i think no. you know also from my perspective i it was very positive so you know uh, we changed a lot of things to be made digitally and i think you know we started to really connect with people like for example with you I don't think that would have been possible if not the COVID, you know, happened. So that's quite interesting, uh, you know, yeah. and actually, you know, next question, because we you said a little bit about digital fashion and it's been recently on the rise, mainly due to COVID. Um, how do you think it will play its role in changing the fashion consumerism landscape? Yeah, um... I think it's going to change a lot. Maybe not necessarily from, you know, that we all go and have our digital avatar. I think that mm -hmm. will be you, but I think it's going to change our mindsets. And I think the mindset will mm -hmm. then also take, you know, change the physical way of, of making. Um, every person, I think, needs a kind of, um, kind of possibility to experiment and i think digitally that can be possible digitally in the sense of, of digital fashion digital viewing digital creation and um, but it's also going to change like the flying what i mentioned it's also you know why did we fly so much um, i think it's also going to make us think mm -hmm. and i think that's what digital fashion is going to bring to us it's mm -hmm. going to make us think like you know what means inclusive inclusiveness what means diversion? What means mm. like consumerism? Um, how do mm -hmm. I want to express myself? And what does that mean as, for me as a person? Um, mm -hmm. And also what, you know, what could textiles be next? Um, I'm, I'm super inspired by the fact that digitally you can create textiles that we cannot physically create. And yeah. that thinking 
process, I think, helps again to physically create something better, something that is either simulated initially um, and then we test it out or we just um, have cases, for example, that we simulated first and that we actually say, okay, this, that's absolutely not achievable or if we make it, it's not, it's not helping the consumer. So, I think that whole model of play um, that we always had between craft and technology, I think it's just giving an additional kind of dimension with this um, new tools and uh, possibilities in the digital mm -hmm. fashion. Yeah. Do you think digital fashion will help sustainability to become, you know, more spread out out there and available, accessible to people? Um, I hope so, but that's an easy answer. Um, <laughs> um, I think it has the meaning and tools to do so. I do not know necessarily how and what. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see now necessary, but maybe that's also because of the question and I can't find, but I don't see in, the, in, in immediately how oh, this will affect the consumers in this, yeah. in this way. Mm -hmm. I definitely see that it affects obviously the making industry. I mean, rather than, you know, two or three prototype rounds, which is quite average. We can do a lot more simulations and visualizations before going ahead. Um, and I think nowadays um, that is needed because not many are able to travel literally to the manufacturer. So they have to find a way to quickly see it and to mm -hmm. avoid cost of sampling. So for sure, from that perspective, I see it. Um, but I think, um, there are for sure means in and then I think it needs to have another translation method, for example, gamification uh, could play a role with that, so I think if that kind of intermediate aspects are put in 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 between, yes, for sure it's going to help sustainability uh, or to 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 wider the platform and and promote more demand sustainability yeah yeah, I think so as well. Um, another question, you know, maybe a little broader one what does sustainability mean to you because we said that it's hard to find the answers of what exactly means to be sustainable right but what does it mean to you sustainability is sustainability means something with a clear eye and view something that's very considered you select or not select um, so sustainability does not mean buying something because it is organic, because you still make the decision of buying. So it's if you really need it, yes, then that's what I mean with considered. Um, so sustainability for me also means that I'm more aware of you know what I eat or what I where I'm going to buy it. If I'm um, you know do I need that plastic bag? Uh, so it need it means that you live in the moment. It live, it means that you you understand and you think what what will be the effect for the next generation. And I think that you know is sustainability for me. And then it still means that you will consume things. Mm -hmm. It still means that maybe yeah. I buy that of non-recycled yarns. But if I need it, if I wear it for a long time, if I buy it with conscious and deliberately then I think you're still sustainable. So um, that's yeah, what sustainability uh, means for me. Yeah, totally. I think it narrows down to the choice, to the decisions that we make. But it yeah. doesn't mean that we're going to stop t 
to consume because that's impossible, right? Exactly. And I think that's also not, I think everything needs to be in balance. You know, there's an environmental aspect, there's obviously a social aspect, but there's also an economic aspect. I mean, without, I think also uh, cannot live. So I think it's balancing all three of it uh, together. Yeah, totally. So from a consumer perspective point of view, how can people acquire that self-education and knowledge to understand which brands are more ethical or sustainable? And what would be your advice to kind of look out for when choosing a brand or a product? Um, First of all, I think with, you know, being the ability to be online all the time, I think it can be simple things, you know, read a bit like about the brands, read a bit about the product that you're going to buy. There's a lot of, you know, third party um, uh, websites or apps that can help you to support. And for sure, that's not going to give you the 100% answer, um, but it, yeah. it helps you to, you know, to spend a bit of time. Why why I'm going to purchase this? What is my decision? Uh, what we mentioned, what, what do I choose? I think that's first of all already so helpful um, and, and I think secondly I would say like read a bit more about you know the labels inside the, in, inside your garments what is it made from how do I need to wash it do I really want to buy something that's only dry clean um, mm-hmm. do I really want to buy something that you know that kind of simple things I think can help so much for consumers and I think it's already such a big starting base um, and then secondly, I think, yeah, the washing wear, as mentioned, is such a big impact for people. So I think to consider, do I need to wash it or, mm-hmm. you know, do I need to, I mean, it's beautiful to buy, I don't know, a silk t-shirt mm-hmm. that be in dry cleans or every day, but is that really your smartest choice that you can make? Can you not mm-hmm. buy something that, you know, can be lower washing temperature, um, mm-hmm. potentially is often washed, even if that's possible, um, so I think it's that kind of choices and, and self-education that you can make that's quite simple, but very effective um, yeah, overall. Totally, totally. You know, that reminds me of my Clubhouse talk. And um, we actually invited some people up on stage to ask us questions, etc. And there was like this guy from India, I think he was actually a fashion designer and he asked us how long we take our showers for and then people started to answer that it turned out that most people don't shower you know and like shower maybe once or twice a week but then it supports sustainability so they were like "Mm, so what do I answer in here and that was really really funny um yeah but definitely that also comes back to washing clothes not only our bodies right which I don't think you know that was actually touched upon but that's a very very interesting point you know about washing clothes actually so thanks for that you're welcome yeah it's fascinating to see that and I was quite shocked when I learned myself how much impact that washing was having in you know 40 percent of the whole environmental um impact comes from there so that's that's big but then again if we look to that kind of things and for example uh, if you talk about exactly washing in the shower or the other day I learned how much liter of water was needed for a hamburger I Mm -hmm. I completely stopped eating uh, I mean yeah it's quite uh, shocking and I think we just don't know these things and if we are aware of it a bit more Mm -hmm. already save so much um, and help so much on that aspect. 
Yeah, totally. So Eva, you know, as a creative and a visionary, I think I can easily call you that one. What do you think um, the fashion industry will look like in the next, let's say, five years from now on? And what are your personal goals within that time frame to kind of, you know, improve yourself or improve your work, be more sustainable, choose more sustainably, etc.? Um, so the industry, I think, um, definitely part of COVID, I think, pushed itself much more in sustainability and digitally. Yeah. And I hope that rather than having talks, we really in five years are also actioning much more. Mm. Um, I think the, the move is there. I feel it. The talk is there, but we need to action. Um, yeah. I mean, the talk was there for a long time. I mean, I don't know how old the world sustainability is, but I think we go over 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's time now to to pick that movement and to really really you know start the action um and action yes for sure cannot be 100 percent at the start and even if we could do that there's another 100 percent that we have to you know apply to but i that's what i hope in five years that we really can look back and say oh wow this whole situation sparked and this made us really you know for me sustainability to become like quality i mean nobody discusses mm-hmm. You expect something is quality. And mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, the sustainability is becoming the same. You know, you expect something is su- sustainable. You don't need to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it should be, uh, you know, created like that. And it should be like, I hope in, in five years, we are like the, you know, in Europe, you have the, probably over, everywhere in the world, but you have the, the A++, A, uh, so on. And then you go all the mm-hmm. way to age or something i hope maybe we have something like that and we already have revised it once that we have to put mm-hmm. our bars up um that's what i really hope and and, and want to see the future mm-hmm. uh, for me um what i find important is that i want to push forward even more collaborations um i want to push forward and keep always thinking like um what i love and what i learned so much about china is that you can change yourself no matter what. You can refine yourself no matter, um, you know, if you want something, you can get there. Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of mentality and push and the constant, like being in the moment and try to change and, you know, adopt and being agile. Mm-hmm. And I hope even, yeah, continue um, very much and even um, accelerate further. further. Um, and to be also really an impact for, you know, um, like a mentor, maybe even for like younger um, makers, um, female younger makers, um, and to really say, okay, what is all possible in the seamless and circular um, knitting and, and what could be the future of textification? Text that's not a word, but how can we use this kind of technologies everywhere around us and can bring us something good? Yeah. Amazing. And the last question, what is your one wish or one dream when it comes to creating a change in the fashion industry? My one wish would be diversification, I think, or like inclusivity. Um, Mm -hmm. It's still, you know, it's still, and then I'm not necessarily talking about, um, you know, it's still very the making is one side and the brand is one side and it yeah. needs to be justified more between age 
between races. Um, I mean, it needs to be, if you want to represent consumers, uh, you, your, your industry needs to represent that. And that's my biggest wish, I think, um, that will happen. And, you know, um, yeah, it's, uh, I think that's the, the possibility that I hope uh, will happen going forward. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you, Eva, so much for being here today and speaking to me about all these important issues. For everyone who wants to follow Material Experience Center and get to know them a little bit better, you can do so at Instagram at Material Experience Center or find them on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for listening. It means a lot to us. Hi guys, this is Dami, your host. Thanks so much for staying and listening to this podcast. If you would like to support us and follow what we do at Mess Magazine, please do follow us on LinkedIn at Mess Mag or on our Instagram at Mess Magazine. Thank you.